Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I know this is going to be a bit of a loaded topic, but what's a Lewis Hamilton got to do? After a second season without a win to his name, although Hungary and Austin were kind of close, save for um, team-wide fumbles, Lewis Hamilton has summed it all up that the 2023 season has been emotionally draining. After a very gruelling year that saw the W14 technically do worse than the W13, but then not do worse than the W13 since they are second in the Constructors' Championship. But right now, Lewis Hamilton is trying to find some kind of means to dispel all of the lamentations and the struggles that he's had this season, trying to find a means to get back up to the top and rediscover himself in some way. Something that could really help him pursue that desire for an 8th world title, or at least try and get winning again, the last win coming from the 2021 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And part of that end of season emotional dream came from the fact that they went from the Las Vegas Grand Prix to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in the space of a week. And I can tell you from personal experience, travelling eastbound, and especially probably over 10 hours in terms of time zones, that can take a lot out of people, seriously. It would take me several days to get over that. And F1 drivers have to do that in the space of maybe 48 hours. They won't have to deal with that struggle for Las Vegas and Abu Dhabi. They'll be dealing with Vegas and Qatar. I think it's safe to say that Lewis's 2023 season was not one of his best, especially encapsulated with the fact that he was the only driver in the top 10 to reportedly not receive any sort of financial bonus on top of his base salary. But I don't think he's going to be losing too much sleep over it. He has many sponsorship endorsements. He still has the highest base salary in terms of all of the F1 drivers, a cool 55 million a year. I don't think him getting a bonus again is a reason for Lewis Hamilton to try and want to score wins again. It's just the fact that apart from 2022 and 2023, he was one of the only drivers on the entire grid that could say that he had won every single year of his career or at least trying being consistently competitive with a team that has been showing the last couple of seasons that it really doesn't know how to process not being the best. What has become increasingly clear since Red Bull answered the call to try and beat Mercedes from the F1 fandom, try and stop Mercedes dominance, and now it's become Mercedes stop Red Bull's dominance. Kind of like Williams in a way, Mercedes have been reliable on having a really spanking stonking motor. And then aerodynamics kind of came a distant second. For the majority of the turbo hybrid era, that was okay. Williams were fairly competitive in those first couple of seasons of those new regulations, but then they fell away due to the fact that Mercedes had a lot more money and they could invest it since Mercedes, it was their own engine. And they were okay enough in terms of aerodynamics to still be the leading competitors. But it wasn't their biggest strength. You really can't do that anymore, especially in an era where aerodynamics are very, very important in terms of ground effect. You really need to get the underfloor working as good as possible. 
and Red Bull clearly have been able to develop it the most. Sergio Perez did us all a favour because he exposed the floor twice during the season and allowed people to even get a snifter of what to try and do down there. Then there's the whole situation about Mercedes really not taking pit stops seriously for the longest time. And something that when I've been reading the book The Mechanic by Mark Priestley, a really illuminating book, by the way, you should really give it a look. It was something that until recently, wasn't taken seriously. Back in the early 2000s, pit stops weren't really that much of a priority. Sure, it was good to, you know, do it right. But in terms of precision and speed, it wasn't all that big of a deal. But when it became clear that refueling was going to be banned from the 2010 season, all the teams started to step themselves up. And going from six seconds being a great pit stop, you got to try and get it to within 2.2, 2.3. And now McLaren have done 1.8 seconds. And I will admit, they will not stop talking about it. And I really wish they would stop talking about it. And another thing that Lewis and Mercedes have really had to come to terms with this year is that they cannot keep thinking that they are the best team and that them not winning and them not being competitive is something that is an affront and something that shouldn't be happening. Fortunately now, Toto has been able to start managing expectations, thankfully and finally. Toto is starting to listen to folks and is beginning to manage expectations regarding the team's 2024 campaign. He and the team realising that there is a huge mountain decline to get back to where they used to be, or be anywhere close to it. You see, they're finally starting to get it, that Mercedes are not the best at this time, and that they do have to improve. And that's been one of their biggest obstacles this entire season, and it's sort of rubbed off on their star driver. There's been this huge cloud of negativity and just bad and sour feelings throughout the entire camp. And all of this negativity, it's really not good for their fandom. Mercedes lamenting about being third. That's still not all that bad. It's not McLaren going from being third or fourth to suddenly second to last. But all of this has been a major stumbling block in 2023 because they've been looking completely rudderless and just bemoaning all of their struggles instead of just being more proactive about it and saying, right, these are the things that we need to fix. Right, we got to go and do this right now. Instead of just seeing Toto every other week just going, no, it is absolutely not good enough. We don't understand what's this wrong with the car. No, no, it was just really sad. At least he's learning. They finally began to understand that it's going to take some time. That they can't just throw money at the problem like they used to and expect the problem to go away within a couple of races. And I think this has been something that's been baked into their psyche and Lewis's psyche since he started Formula One. Because up until 2020, F1 teams had an effective bottomless pit of cash to spend to get themselves out of a tricky little situation. Well, of course, not for all teams, because back in the day, you could just go testing whenever you liked. You could even spend several days at the track that you're about to go to just to get a little bit of an advantage, providing you had the test team, a dedicated one, and plenty of money to be able to fund them and the drivers. Mercedes and McLaren, oh, they would have had no problem, but other teams, they would have been lucky to even get one outside race test. Lewis also had access to the richest teams in the sport, and turnarounds and fortune could be met as early as a few races' time, instead of with the W14, when it became clear the zero-pod idea was simply not going to work. Something of which Christian Horner has commented that he was very surprised to see them sticking with that idea. Now probably, this is me talking here, it's down to the fact that George Russell's consistent performance at the beginning half of 2022, and that win in Brazil, did probably give the team some hope that Maybe this concept had some legs after all, and it just required a little bit more time. That they didn't want to throw the baby with the bathwater just yet, because it did provide some success. It wasn't entirely hopeless, but within the first couple of races on 2023, yeah, yeah, it was hopeless. But it was too late to do that because, thanks to the cost cap, Mercedes couldn't just simply build a brand new chassis. No, that's going to come around with the W15. But 
they will be big changes. I really don't see the W15 being worse. These implementations will be more gradual. They will take probably an entire season to get to grips with because this is a brand new fundamental change to the car. I want to cite, for example, 1994, the FW16 of Damon Hill. That car at the beginning of 1994 wasn't all that great. Those first races when Ayrton Senna was driving for Williams, he had reliability problems, as was struggling with the car in general. It no longer had all of those computational tricks that Williams were famed for. Those had been stripped out completely. And it was only until the FW16B when Damon Hill had the car that could really challenge Michael Schumacher for the 1994 title. But in those days, you could do that because Williams, yes, was powered by tobacco money, and therefore they could just sink in as much development money as possible, test the car as long as they would want, and come up with a solution lickety-split. But they can't do that anymore. You can't make B-spec cars. I know that many people say, oh, we're bringing a brand new B-spec car effectively. No, that's just nomenclature. That just means that they're just bringing a huge pile of upgrades instead, not an entirely new car. That's why the W14 kind of looked like some kind of Franken car by the end of the year. That and I could never get over those hunches at the back. It just made the Mercedes, I'm just really, really ungainly. So Mercedes just needs to be more effective and agile when it comes to their developments. Something of which, ironically, McLaren have been able to adapt to because they've been through a lot of structural changes as well as near bankruptcy, where they had to slim down, make the entire thing more streamlined and be more efficient with their upgrades. And in 2023, every single upgrade they brought worked. I really doubt that Mercedes will be as inconsistent in 2024 as they were in 2023, because there were moments that the car genuinely looked like it turned a corner. Austin, before they had the situation with the plank, Lewis was almost on Max Verstappen and did give him some pause for thought. Hungary as well, he got that pole position, but then things fell to the side and the car showed that, hey, maybe I hadn't really sought out all my gremlins, and it meant that they really couldn't fully rely on the fact that that car was going to be a good one throughout the entire weekend. It would have moments in qualifying, maybe, and then it would fall apart in the race. And then it meant that Lewis Hamilton would have to rely on one of his party tricks, is that he is a demon sometimes when it comes to the end game of the race. Because there have been many times throughout this season where it looked like Lewis had fallen to the back of the bottom of the half of the top 10, but then towards the end, he would suddenly be on fire. He would motor up, be right at the heels of people maybe in fourth, fifth, sixth place, maybe sometimes in the podium, when they were probably either just bringing it home to the end or they were starting to struggle in terms of their tyre management or car issues. Lewis was right on them and he was able to demonstrate that over the course of the year. But maybe with this W15, it can show him maybe fighting for more podiums, maybe getting a cheeky win or two but it is going to take some time. And maybe Lewis is starting to understand that because he is becoming more involved in the car's development and he's even putting some time in the simulator, something he has been infamous for in not doing. It's not really seeing the point of it. Him instead, just rather wanting to drive the car itself. But these days, I think simulators, there is far more of a similarity in terms of what you get on the sim, in terms of what you get on the track provided you have the good equipment, of course. And something that Mick Schumacher did demonstrate in Spain, his time in the simulator was a big factor in them getting their double podium. Considering that he was third place in the championship and nearly got second place, that is still a very major crumb for comfort that, sure, Lewis Hamilton didn't win the title, but he was still in the hunt to being right up there and he was best of the rest. But I feel that there is one major stumbling block in the way of getting that eighth title and complete harmony with Mercedes once more. And that's got something to do with the guy who is in the other Mercedes seat. His teammate has and always will be his major factor and possibly Achilles heel. 
Give Lewis a teammate that will back him up or not post too much of a challenge for his authority over the course of a season, and he will be phenomenal and pump in the results. And this isn't necessarily isolated to Lewis Hamilton. Most drivers, when they are clearly the best, they thrive. I mean, Max Verstappen, of course, when he doesn't have a teammate that is going to challenge him or show some resistance, he's an absolute demon. He can just run off and do things on his own. Doesn't really matter who his teammate is. As we saw this year, he could win the Constructors' Championship by himself. Not having a teammate breathing down your neck is a psychological boost for any driver, but for Lewis Hamilton, I think it's even more of a factor in terms of this performance. And that's got something to do with this first season at McLaren and something I kind of blame McLaren for. This desire for being the absolute best and his teammate being a major factor in terms of his performance and his morale over the course of the season. 2007 proved that he really needed to be the leader to get the fullest out of him. Before he arrived at McLaren in 2007, it was obvious he was their future and rising star, and that the team wrongfully hired Alonso on the pretense that he would be the leader. To me, that just felt like an insurance policy. Maybe Lewis might not be up to speed and he might need a season to get to grips with the car, much like Oscar Piastri this year. He's been very good, he has shown some potential, but there are still some things he really needs to sort out with that car. And that's fine. He's a rookie. And sometimes this year we've forgotten that Oscar Piastri is a rookie. And that's a very good thing. And I think that Lewis Hamilton, McLaren, they were probably thinking the same thing. That, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll get a cheeky podium or two because we have the best car. But at the same time, we're not expecting the world from him. Just in case he needs some time to get to grips with Formula One itself, Alonso can be there just pumping in the wins, the consistent podiums, and means that we don't fall back to Ferrari in terms of the constructors. But to be fair that year, the only other competitor that I could see consistently giving Ferrari or McLaren some trouble is BMW Sauber. And even then, that was still a fair distance between them. It was Ferrari or McLaren. But little did McLaren realise that Lewis would be that good from the start, and therefore it caused an entire friction load of problems for McLaren, Alonso being essentially isolated, and then not even caring he was existing there, they didn't really give a toss about Alonso by the end of the year, and then Lewis took over as the de facto leader from there until he left in 2012. Lewis Hamilton playing loads of mind games with Fernando Alonso and he came out on top, but he really did have to dig deep against Fernando, and that probably did do a number on him and Alonso for many, many years. But what became clear is that the teammate was a very major part in Lewis's success. Against Heike Kolainen, oh, that wasn't a problem. He was a good teammate. They get along famously. Against Valtteri Bottas, not a problem at all. An absolute delight. Lewis saying that Valtteri was one of his best teammates throughout his entire career. But when you put him against the likes of Jensen Button and Nico Rosberg, that's when things get a little bit tricky. And sure, Jensen wasn't intending to rub Lewis Hamilton up the wrong way, but it just kind of happened, but nowhere near as bad as it was with Nico Rosberg. Because after four seasons together, they could not stand one another. And it was incredibly tragic, considering they used to be the best of friends. They drove for the same team back in the junior formerly days. Kind of makes you wonder what might have happened if Nico Rosberg saw out his contract that was meant to expire in 2018. Who would have left? Or maybe they would have stuck around. Or maybe Lewis would have left F1 altogether if Nico provided that much of a challenge or he would have left Mercedes. He might have gone to Ferrari after all. Who knows? With George, though, we won't see Rosberg levels of fireworks. There isn't that baked-in desire to beat him, since he and Lewis did not compete in junior formulae. But George's desire to not be on the same level as Lewis Hamilton and only be better, that is something that is not going to help Lewis Hamilton's psyche or motivation going into the following year. What Lewis needs to understand is that in some races where George has a competitive car, he will be effectively on his own and it will be up to the team to push George down or 
just try and manage George so that means he doesn't impact Lewis's race if George turns out to be pretty good and they don't want to compromise his race for the sake of the team as a whole. That is a very major factor that Lewis probably hasn't had to deal with all that much. Maybe in the days of the Jensen era of McLaren, but it's something that he does need to consider, that he won't have a teammate that will have his back every single race. And Mercedes have kind of made a rod for their own back, as well as Toto, because he effectively promised George a seat at the captain's table after his time at Williams. And now he's got two drivers vying for the leadership position, and George not seemingly caring that his teammate is a seven-time world champion. I mean, that's good for the team in a way, because they've got two drivers who are hungry for points and competitions and wins, but at the same time, they've got two hungry drivers who may end up taking each other off. As many people were alluding to in Qatar, but they were quick to dispel that very, very clearly because the PR train, oh boy, that was mighty when we first saw that. But Lewis isn't necessarily going to get all of that back up, and I really don't think that's going to change. But in a way, I don't think Lewis minds all of that much because he could just wait out the clock. Because as far as I see it, Lewis ain't going anywhere. Say, for example, George Russell doesn't do enough to stay in Mercedes after 2025, and the young gun Kimi Antonelli comes into Williams for 2025 after a glorious title campaign in 2024 in F2, and pulls such a blinder in his first season in F1, in that he either comes close to outscoring Alex Albon at Williams, or maybe does outscore him, Toto will have no choice but to put him in the Mercedes car right next to Lewis Hamilton. I feel that George will be the fall guy if Kimi Antonelli does come into Formula 1 and trounces Alex Albon and therefore George might be left out in the cold or will have to scurry back to Williams partnering Alex maybe, who himself will be quite wounded after a rookie completely trouncing him. But wait, won't Lewis make way for Antonelli? Well, I don't think so because he is a seven-time world champion, he is a worldwide phenomena, and also he has a point to prove. He wants that eighth world title, and another thing that he's actually talked about recently that he would like to see before he does retire is F1 returning to Africa once more. It would be the likes of Kailami. They actually did come close in 2023 to joining the calendar, but at the very last minute, some infighting amongst investors and then the government of South Africa pulling out meant that the bid for Formula One did not end up happening. It was very close, but it just missed out. But like I said, if Lewis chooses to stick around for as long as possible until Africa rejoins the F1 circuit and he gets that 8th world title, George will be the expendable one. And that will make George all the more tenacious and keen to be not the fall guy and make Lewis the fall guy instead. That to say in a way he's past his prime and that he can't bring the world title and only he, George Russell, can. But then, of course, that might not happen. And then George and Lewis will be just extended for another two years. Because Kimi Antonelli, Toto has been very keen recently to try and bring down the hype about his potential because he went from Formula Regional to suddenly F2. He skipped F3 entirely. And that rarely happens. The last time we saw something similar to this in terms of skipping entire Formula is Max Verstappen going straight to F3 and then to F1. And then some people worrying that maybe Mercedes might insist that Lewis steps down, as many of the conspiracy theorists say about what happened with Michael Schumacher in 2006, to make way for Kimi Raikkonen in 2007. There have been constant rumours that Michael didn't leave of his own accord, that he was pushed out to make way for Kimi to partner Felipe Massa. But I really don't think that's the case, because in that situation, Michael had been mooting that maybe this was the right time to retire, that Fernando Alonso was the guy that was really much set to topple him. That it was a long time coming, he had done his time in Formula 1, a good 15 years, and also a lot of the Ferrari dream team were starting to leave Ferrari, either to Pastors New or to other departments in Ferrari, or just straight up retiring. Instead of soldiering on, he just decided to quit. 
And also, another thing that made me think that it ended on good terms is that Ferrari kept Michael around as a special advisor, and he almost subbed in for Massa in 2009 when he had his horrible accident. But only a neck strain prevented us seeing Ferrari and Michael Schumacher once more driving in Formula One. But then again, that Ferrari car that year, it wasn't all that good. So do I think a similar conspiracy theory about Lewis Hamilton retiring in 2025? I don't see that happening because social media is a lot more prevalent these days. If Lewis Hamilton were to retire, there would be so many conspiracy theories regarding, oh, he was pushed out. Mercedes wouldn't get away with this. Absolutely not. It would have to be absolutely Lewis Hamilton's terms. He would have to spell it out entirely that he chose to retire and move on to either his music career, his philanthropy. There's a lot of things that Lewis Hamilton can do because he'd been a very busy boy. But whatever happened in terms of his retirement, he would have to make it clear that it was his decision and put up every single bit of evidence possible to make sure that there is no ambiguity. Because Michael Schumacher retiring, that was a big deal. Lewis Hamilton retiring, it would be an even bigger deal. But going back to 2024, Lewis needs to be fully aware that George will be on his tail throughout, that Mercedes will make changes to better his performances, but it will take a while to realise them fully. Unlike the 2014 to 2020 glory days, where Mercedes could throw money at the problem and successfully get around it almost within a couple of weeks. And also he can rest assured that the team is not going to remove him anytime soon. Fernando Alonso effect has just made it clear that you can carry on for as long as you want, so long as you've got the hunger to be in Formula 1 and still challenge for wins and maybe world titles, which is exactly what Lewis Hamilton wants to do. And considering that he has all of these motivations and desires for Formula 1 to uphold before he goes, that means he can leave a lasting legacy, that's fair enough. But one thing's for certain. Lewis's hunger is not done yet. Because considering how close he was to second place this year, who's to say that he wouldn't be a closer contender for second place next year, fighting off the likes of Alonso, Norris, Leclerc, or even Sergio Perez? A guy who seems to think he can still win the title from Max Verstappen. And something that I reckon he needs to limit his expectations towards. Thanks for listening to my ladder ramblings. If you liked what you heard, do be sure to leave a five-star rating on your podcasting platform of choice. I really do appreciate it. And until the next time I traverse the ladder, I hope you have a pleasant day. Goodbye.